0: This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games. and The way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear young MC on the stereo. And if you've been wondering if it's worth the trip to Chicago just to play all those classic arcade games you remember, well, take it from me, it is. So don't just stand there. Bust a move over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois.
1: I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm everyone else. And you're listening to No Quarter, the weekly podcast about arcade games that we like and some that we don't.
0: Which one is this?
1: I think we like this one. I think we like this one, too. At least more than some of the ones you guys have been feeding us lately. <laughs> some, that. Of the,
0: some of the ones our listeners troll us into playing.
1: Oh, God, terrible games, guys. I, think you guys. I think they just sit around and like... Pick titles and, oh, that's out of out of MAME and find the really terrible ones. Oh, that sucks. Let's make it play this.
0: <laughs> Do you think they'll play it? And well, it turns out we will.
1: <laughs> well, we played Springer or whatever that stupid game was. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yeah, one of the worst. One of the worst.
1: This is not one of the worst. Probably nope. not the best, but,
0: you know, I enjoyed it. Yep. It's a, we're at least dealing with a classic this week.
1: But we'll tell you all about that in a few minutes. First. Yes. First. We have feedback. We do. We got
0: feedback. We got news. We got, well, not a lot of news. Uh, oh, and I, we got news about me. I got to go to the Underground Retrocade. Right for you. See, so we recorded this show once already, and alas, the audio was unplayably bad. We recorded it live at Kansas Fest, where Mike and I were, and it was awesome. Kansas Fest was so awesome. Loved it, loved it, loved it.
1: It was. In the recording, we were both... Into it, and we had a great discussion, and then the energy was high, and now we're back from Kansas Fest and exhausted, and I just have no energy to this. Oh, muffin. <laughs> yeah, we, we discovered a strange
0: audio bug involving the Zoom Handy. So for those podcasters out there, pay attention. The Zoom Handy, it turns out, records at slightly slower than real time. Um, So, unfortunately, we got more and more out of sync in our audio. So, rather than fix that, I'm too lazy to do so, we are going to just do the show again. Starting
1: all over. So, if it sounds a little rehearsed and canned, that's because it is.
0: No, I've changed all my opinions. Oh, you have? Oh, good. I'm fickle that way. And also, so anyway, the point was, we were at Kansas Fest, which was awesome. Mm. But before Kansas Fest, on my way down, I went to Chicago and I got to drop into the Underground Retrocade, which some people may have heard of. And I may know the address too very well. And it was super fun. I got to play lots of games. Scott is an amazing host. I get to hang out with people. It was just crazy, crazy awesome.
1: And I'm really jealous.
0: As you should be. I I brought you some stuff though.
1: You did. I, I got this cool little uh, Pac-Man metal candy dispenser that was oddly <laughs> empty.
0: I and... <laughs> <To> say surprisingly, <laughs> no longer had any candy in it. How that happened?
1: <laughs> and I got a t-shirt, which is yep. awesome, and a couple of keychains and. The, the knowledge that I didn't get to go.
0: <laughs> you got that knowledge. <laughs> oh, and while I was there, I got to play a new game. First time I was there, I got to discover the game Juno First, which I think we mentioned even last week. I love it, love it, love it. Such a great game, and I had never played it before my first trip to the Underground Retrocade. Well, the same thing happened again. I got to discover a new game. that has got a the cabinet there for a game called Lost Tomb. And oh, Mike, we should play it. It's crazy cool. It's one of those games... I got to hold on. I want to get this right. So Quinn's not mad at me. Uh, <laughs> it's like where you're moving with the left hand and you're shooting with the right. So I believe Quinn says that is a lefty movie, righty shooty. I so think it's that's a, what it's called. Yes. Almost certainly. So it's a lefty movie, righty shooty. And you also have a button for a whip button which can destroy walls so it's it's a sort of almost like a a dungeon crawling maze kind of game very much in keeping with uh like an indiana jones theme uh and it's super fun i only got to play it a little bit i wasn't really great at it to be honest but it it absolutely caught my interest and i'm quite excited to return to it and hopefully it's something we will review in the near future
1: well consider it added to the list sir
0: huzzah So let's see, what did we get news-wise before the feedback? Oh, you know what? I stumbled on a thing, I think, through GadgetReview.com. So I'll dig up a link and and put this in the show notes. But it's something called the Arcader, spelled R-K-A-I-D-R. My goodness. Okay. So the Arcader is, um, a retro arcade game, basically a MAME system in a briefcase. It's essentially a small self-contained one-player MAME cabinet in the little briefcase. Only 50 of them are being made. Beautiful looking, like just wonderful craftsmanship. It's coming out this September. The only downside is it'll be $3,400. Wow. <laughs> yep. I think you could have a full-size cabinet and hire someone to lug it around for you (laughs) for less money than that. So very nice looking, but super expensive. I mean, I'll throw a link in the show notes, but come on, guys. $3,400, please. Still want one. I kind of want one, too. You could build your own. I remember back, I think we talked about this, back in November or December, there was a briefcase arcade made by somebody based on a Raspberry Pi. Let me say, okay, Travis Reynolds was his name. In the UK, he made something called the, hmm, doesn't have a name. It's the Briefcase Arcade. That's what it is by mm-hmm. Travis Reynolds. Uh, so it's running PiMame on the Raspberry Pi. And I guess the differences would be it's a little larger. It's built in a, a standard briefcase. It's homebrew. Uh, it's a little more sort of off-the-shelf looking. But it also didn't cost $3,400. <laughs> I think it was something like 40 bucks in parts. So I will have a link to that in the show notes too because he he – includes a complete parts list for you know here's what was involved in building it if you want to build your own so you can knock one off far cheaper i think so both of those will be in our show notes nice yeah uh let's see we got feedback we got bunches of feedbacks
1: give me some Um, feedback carrington
0: i will feed you this back okay so monty wrote in to say finally in fact monty He's going to tease us with this. <laughs> so it says, finally, a new environmental cabinet from my favorite arcade maker, Sega. Keep up the great work, guys. I love your discipline of being able to do a new show each week. And he sent us a link um, to uh, something on the blogs.sega.com site that says Sega unleashes alien isolation and Sonic boom at San Diego comic con, which happened recently. Now the cabinet in question here is amazingly, unbelievably cool looking. It's this big, pod right out of the alien movies it's something like that Geiger would make it opens up and you sit inside it, and then it fully closes and isolates you in it and you can play this arcade game called alien isolation sounds awesome looks awesome isn't so awesome because (laughs) it's not really an arcade cabinet you big tease monty it's just essentially a promo prop although it is playable but it's it's something that's going to go around arcade events it won't be something you can find in arcades going forward it's basically just there to promote the upcoming alien isolation game which will be just a home console game and on pcs as well so really really cool looking but disappointingly not actually a new cabinet oh boo boo i say to that uh, but yay i say to what owen wrote in he sent us a link to the cats and yarn site on tumblr Oh. Now, Okay. You, you might be wondering, exactly how is that topical for us?
1: No, I'm not wondering at all. And the, the truth is, sense.
0: Mike really likes to knit. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he knits cats. No, little sweaters for cats. No, I me- knit
1: cats <laughs> together.
0: <laughs> to make sweaters. Meowing, scratching sweaters. <laughs> No. <laughs> so what <laughs> is, it's on the Cats of your site. Uh, the person who runs that made joust arcade pillows. So they're pillows and they've, they've sewn onto them little squares that make the Joust icons and they look really, really cool. So it's, it's, I like those things. Like if you're really into arcade games and stuff you could scatter around and kind of decorate with that cost a lot less and take up a lot less room than full cabinets. So if you're into the kind of scenes that Mike's into, other than the scratching, screaming <laughs> cat sweaters that I'm trying to get the image out of my mind for, then you could go over to the Cats and Yarn site. Um, I will have links. All the link action will be taking place on the Monsterfeed site. Linkage. <laughs> Linkage will happen. Uh, Stephanie, Stephanie's next. She wrote in to say, Hi guys, just started getting into listening to podcasts this year. Hello, Stephanie. And have been enjoying your No Quarter series. I've been keeping up to date, but also dipping into the back catalog and probably about 75% of the way through. Are you guys headed to the Classic Gaming Expo in Las Vegas, Nevada? No. No. (laughs) I'd like
1: to, but no.
0: (laughs) No, we would like to, but no. And I guess we probably missed it. I don't know. Um, she says, it's a fun event, and they have a nice free play arcade setup. Last time in 2012, they had a Fix-It Felix setup. She gave us a link over to C-G-E-X-P-O, I guess that's CGEXPO.com. I will throw that link into the show notes too. Links are happening. Um She continues, like the arcade draft episode, I always thought an arcade draft is when the operator left the coin door open. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm also annoyed when I search for arcade online and get a ton of arcade fire links. I found if you type arcade hyphen fire, the minus sign there, quotes are not necessary, then it eliminates anything with the word fire and just gives you the arcade results. Good tips, Stephanie.
1: Yes, unless you're looking for news about an arcade that's on fire and then you're in trouble.
0: Or places where you could find sorry, Charlie, which is often on fire.
1: Well, that's true. It's a feature.
0: It's a feature, totally a feature. So she wraps up her letter by saying, "Finally, when I listen to podcasts, I always envision what the people might look like." I looked, Carrington, Vanston and up, and wow, you look nothing like I imagined. I still picture someone else when I listen to the podcast. But what about Mike? I don't mm. see any modern photos online of him. Very suspicious. Thanks again, Data East for life, Stephanie. Great well, Stephanie,
1: all you have Mike to do is, is invisible. All, all you have to do is go down to your local post office and my picture will be there. Mike cannot be captured on film.
0: <laughs> it's just one of those things. But only when I'm those.
1: podcasting.
0: <laughs> it's ethereally. It's um, Dr. Steve, we know him. In fact, we saw him recently. He was at Kansas. He says, hey, Doc. Uh He wrote in... uh I guess it's now a week and a half ago, two weeks ago or something to tell us about the Tron HD project, but we had already talked about it last week because he wrote in after we had recorded, but before we had published. That happens a lot because we typically record Thursday nights and then publish on Sunday. So there's a bit of a lag there. Uh, and at first I thought he was too late. I was going to write him back a ha 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 too late. We already got it email, but it turns out it's worth bringing up what he wrote anyway, because he pointed us to the Weird L. War or uh, word crimes video, which is awesome by the way. And he says, "I was watching the new w- Weird Al video, Word Crimes, and I learned about the animator. Turns out he had not only done this awesome, awesome kinetic typography animation for the new Al song, but also did Shop Vac for jo- Jonathan Colton a few years ago. And on the animator's website, he also restores vintage arcade machines. No word on whether he searched them out long and hard or just bought them like a heathen off eBay." Mm-hmm. In any case, check out his restoration of Tron, and that's at the jaredheather.com site, and the main cabinet based on Space Paranoids theme. Now, we talked, I know about the Tron one. I don't know if we mentioned the Space Paranoids, but he made a Space Paranoids cabinet. So cool. And so that guy that did the crazy, cool, high-def Tron remake is also the, the animator who does the current Weird Al uh, Word Crimes video. So that's pretty cool. Christ, Christ. You really need oh. A- oh. Time for freedom. I need those crimes, you dumb-mouth-breather, well, you should hire somebody linguist to help you distinguish so right. what is proper English. The so one thing I ask of you, time to learn your homophones is past, to learn to diagram a sentence, to always say to whom, don't ever say to who. And listen up when I tell you this, I hope you never use quotation marks for emphasis. You finished second grade, I hope you can tell if you're doing good or doing well. which of them was quicker or just now you said you literally couldn't get out of bed that really makes me want to literally smack a crowbar on your stupid head oh yeah yeah your grandma's james i mean sorry Classy Freddy Blassie. He Uh wrote in to say, this is Classy Freddy Blassie coming at ya." I didn't see y'all at California Extreme. I thought I saw someone that looked like Carrie. What's with the the emails about how I look like (laughs) character though?
1: They're looking for you, (laughs) Carrie. They're
0: looking for me, man. I recorded some keystrokes the listeners might be interested oh, sorry, keynotes the listeners (laughs) might be interested in, such as (laughs) Eugene Jarvis and co-programmers The Making of Defender panel and Roy Schultz. Missile Command Conspiracy Panel. There were lots of cool trailers for new retro game movies at the show, but I didn't see any of them. I was playing games. I played Pong against Al Acorn and lost. It was embarrassing when I missed the computer serve the ball twice. He said he found Nolan's new book very funny. I found Mad Planets. Where else could I ever play this game? It was a much better experience with the controls. A difficult and very cool game. I have a spinner and a stick on my main cab, but I couldn't configure it so far. Different placements too. The creative q was there, and I got to play his laser this game us versus them. And other than that, it was all about quantum and tempest with a pinch of major havoc thrown in to make the bread rise. Mm -hmm. They had tons of games this time organized very well into sections such as vectors, pinball, video pinball hybrids, rare protos, Nintendo, laserdisc, dancing games, and even a mechanical helicopter game. They sold Pac-Man Fever on CD for 10 bucks and Space Invaders coasters for 20. I saw Bradley Coda from Best Electronics and the guy who created Vector Beam. I'll send you links to the videos, please. This is the end of the email. Send us links to the videos. <laughs> I want. He teased us that didn't actually send us links. You're killing me, Freddie. Um, uh, he did, however, send us in a separate email uh, a link to a very funny video that he entitled "What We Do at California Extreme After They Put the Video Games Away." I'm not going to give listeners a hint to what it is because it's definitely worth watching. I'll stick a sh- link in the show notes and I'll call it something like CAX. 2014 torture because it's basically torturing but in a funny way so you should definitely check it out thank you very much for that link classy freddy blassy but please james send us the other ones i really want to see more um, that would be awesome
1: michael Cohn wrote in he said uh, this starts off topic from the podcast and wanders yet further afield but hey you started it you recently mentioned uh, your amusement with the american roadside attractions that would be you carrington it would be me. That immediately brought to my mind another outgrowth of America's fascination with cars, the drive-in movie theater. There's a documentary going uh, called Going Attractions that explores the subject of drive-ins, a bit of history, and what's happening with them right now. Um, you might find it worth your while to get a copy and watch it. In fact, I did, and it's an awesome documentary. Uh, on a show-related note, there was some discussion about large games in which a Mazda Miata was mentioned. I think I can name... One that may be even bigger than that, Namco's Theater 6. This is a sixth seat monstrosity involving laser discs, projectors, and an absurd number of boards. Uh, He's got a link to the flyer uh, over at ArcadeMuseum.com. He says it's essentially a room that you go into and sit down in an open gunner seat. Put your coins into play. I could never have one of these. Where the hell would I put it? But I sure as heck would (laughs) love to play one. More info at, and he's got a link over at uh, DragonsLairFans.com. We'll, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Yeah. This, this thing is it's a 16 and a half foot by 16 and a half foot theater. And I think the actual entire name for the thing is the Galaxian three theater six. So oh, I, I don't know if you're, if you play different games, I didn't read that much about it or if it's just Galaxian three, but it looks awesome. And I wish I had the space for one.
0: Maybe that's the current score. Galaxian three theater <laughs> six. Theater is so big. It is beating the Galaxians. That's awesome. That is large. What's with these large machines, man?
1: Well, speaking of that, Rob O'Hare wrote in. I've and, heard of him. Me too, I think. He said, I was listening to your most recent show and heard you mention the new full-size version of Ridge Racer. That's the one with the Mazda Miata. Uh, one of our local arcades, Bally's Le Mans, had something similar back in 2006. I can't figure out what the name of the game was, but I'm attaching some pictures and, and we'll... Maybe post one or two of those. He says that the pictures are terrible quality and were taken with my Palm Trio 650 phone, if that dates it. Uh, The arcade closed shortly after I took them. So I wasn't able to go back and figure out what it was. It had two full-size cars side by side uh, with loads of airbrushed Namco logos and characters with a racing game being projected onto a screen in front of the cars. Does anyone know what this was? It just might be Ridge racer five with a custom car setup, but it's hard to tell.
0: Any chance. Maybe it was just the parking lot.
1: (laughs) Maybe so. Yeah.
0: Rob, you might, might want to look back into that.
1: Rob's got a really active imagination.
0: <laughs> I think there were ninjas involved somehow. Ninjas <laughs> were in those cars. I like Rob's podcast. We'll link to that too because Rob's podcast is awesome.
1: Uh, Monty Singleton wrote in. He said, uh, I know Mike didn't like Ghosts and Columns, and nobody should if they're in the right minds. Oh. Uh, but I just spent all night playing its sequel, Ghouls and Ghosts, and I'm convinced Mike will love it. I started playing it on uh, Sega Genesis and then decided to play the main version. And wow, the original arcade graphics are just spectacular. I seriously think it may be impossible to find a game that was more visually stunning in 1988. I hope you are playing on CRTs. It's also a lot easier and better coded than Ghosts and Goblins. Love the show. Keep it up. And you know what, uh, Monty? I would love to. Carrington has vetoed that game because I hated Ghosts and Goblins so much. And, and it's sort of like elevator action. He won't let me play that one either. So I don't get to like give it another chance. Screw you. This is, you hate this. And, and you're going to have to live with that, Mike. So that's how it goes around here. I
0: think none of what you just said is true. (laughs) I think it is.
1: I try, I've tried to suggest elevator action on a number of occasions and have been shot down.
0: Elevator action?
1: Two. Two.
0: Well, yeah, but ghosts and ghouls and ghosts is different because it doesn't have a two in the name.
1: (laughs) Totally different. (laughs) I see.
0: (laughs) Completely different, obviously, because of the two. (sighs) So that's our feedback. It was good. I liked it. That was fun.
1: Yes, it was. And, uh, we had a great Kansas Fest too, I think.
0: Oh, Kansas Fest was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. The, my favorite part, obviously, like any, like any con, any, any, anything like that, it's always just about the people, the people that you look, that you see each year. And I look forward to seeing again the new people we got to, to see and to meet this time for the first time. I just loved it so much.
1: Yeah. They were up to, I think they said like 70 people this year, which is, yep. It's been growing every year, at least since I've been going. I started in two thousand five, and there were like twenty five people there, I think. Uh, so every year, it's it's great to see some of the the old familiar faces and to meet the new people. And I, when I was packing my car, I left a box of important, like basically all this. I brought the com- the, the computers that I was going to play with. The vintage computers that I had projects in in mind for and then left everything that I needed to operate those computers, (laughs) which actually turned out to be pretty good because it forced me to kind of be more social um, and talk to and and not hide out in my room. And and so that was a turned out to be a really great experience.
0: Very cool. It's yeah. always a great experience. I love it. This year was one of the years, in fact, I think probably the only year where I didn't get to meet everybody. There were tons of people. I kept seeing new faces that I hadn't said hello to. So I think a bunch of people just went to Kansas Fest with me, and I didn't even get to speak with them. Aww. So i got to make a better effort about that next year.
1: There was a, another good part to Kansas Fest that I enjoyed
0: very much. We got to play video games.
1: Uh-huh. And there was the something part. that I liked about that particular video game.
0: Uh, that you – Beat me at it. Mm, There we go. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. <laughs> at Kansas Fest last year, we played, uh, Galaga on one of those machines that has both Galaga and Ms. Pac Man. And that's where we learned about the McGinnis maneuver. And, uh, it was awesome because I won. But this year, we returned to that cabinet for a rematch I I on Ms. Pac Man. And there was no maneuvering required because basically in his first game, Mike got a higher score than I was able to get all week. <laughs> he completely trust me. I'm not good at these sorts of games. But this week, we are indeed talking about Ms. Pac-Man.
1: Yes, and if you didn't guess the game this week, it's because we sort of cheated <laughs> and played a little trick on you. We figured this would be far too easy to guess. And so instead, I have I have uh, one of those, the the Coleco tabletop versions of this game, uh, and we recorded the sound from that instead. We are sneaky. We are <laughs> but this is uh, uh Ms Pac-Man by uh Namco or Bally Midway or GCC depending on uh where you want to start with the development cycle. It's one of the I think it's the first sort of unofficial sequel to Pac-Man that uh Bally Midway decided to to move ahead with because they were impatient and Namco wasn't forthcoming with the goods. So they hired GCC to make a to make a a game and 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 actually, I don't know if they hired GCC. I think GCC did this as a bootleg. Valley Midway sued them later on for for a um, for a cut of the profits because the game was so successful. And then it ended up being part of the lawsuit between Namco and, and Valley Midway. It's definitely pro- I, well. I, I don't know if it's my favorite of the unofficials, but it's up there. I think the one the one that we played before, um, where the, sc- the screen kind of scrolls left and right. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Might be probably my favorite. Um, or Professor Pac-Man. I like
0: Ladybug. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a game called, um, I think it was going to be Crazy Auto, was mm-hmm. the game by GCC. And then that, they they got sued by Atari because of their missile command conversion, and the settlement, I think, said they weren't allowed to release any more conversions, so they said okay, and then they just sold Crazy Auto <laughs> to Namco, who had been, like you say, waiting crazily and impatiently for a Pac-Man sequel, and Namco changed the sprites and such and turned Crazy Auto into a uh, Pac-Man sequel called Ms. Pac-Man, and thus Ms. Pac-Man was born, and more lawsuits ensued. <laughs> lawsuits for everyone. Atari introduces the woman of the year,
1: Ms. Pac-Man. With a style of entertainment that Pac-Man never knew, an endless supply of floating goodies, oranges, pretzels, four different screens, each with different exits and entrances, and the green screen so difficult to reach you may never see it again. Don't you
0: know I'm more than
1: Pac-Man with a bow? Reach for Ms. Pac-Man. Reach, 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 reach. So, the, so the game that we we know and love as as Miss Pac Man started out as Crazy Auto, but uh, of course, and it, it was more than just a a coat of paint that was slapped on. That at least in the way that that we've seen it in the past with sequels and spinoffs and things, the game is actually a lot more difficult. The ghosts seem to be more deliberate in their chasing of you through the maze, and there's no patterns, right?
0: Is that is yeah? That correct?
1: There's no the 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 patterns are pseudo randomized for for the ghosts chasing you. And the prize, which uh, normally sort of sits in a, a single place on, on the Pac-Man board right below where the ghosts hang out. And in Ms. Pac-Man, it, it moves around the screen. So you have to, as you're running from the ghosts, you have to chase down the, f- the prize if you want the points. And it's only on the screen for a limited amount of time. And then it goes out one of those little side tunnels. And oh, I noticed that
0: too, that the, the, the bouncing fruit things come in through the warp tunnels and leave through the warp tunnels, which also I think is different than the original Pac-Man. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the the game and, and in the first couple of boards, um, you know, the, the map is at least it feels similar difficulty to to the first Pac Man game. But as as you move on, the tunnels and the um, the paths, I guess if you want to call them that, through the maze change, in, in that you have longer sections of hallway where you can't get out of, so it's easier for them to trap you before you get out to where you can make a turn. Uh, overall, it, it just it felt like a much harder game, but I, for some reason, I, I like this at least as much, if not more, than the original. I think I do, too. My impression, it's been a while since, I don't think I've
0: played Pac-Man since we reviewed Pac-Man, because to be honest, I'm not <laughs> super into the maze games. Um, but playing this, I immediately felt like I liked this more, and that's always been like, in my mind, I think I like this one more, but I don't know how often I actually play them, you know, essentially back-to-back so I can compare. But in general, I'm drawn more to Ms. Pac-Man's gameplay, Um because, I don't know, I, I like I like the look of the mazes better. Like, they're filled in. I know it's more than just a, a coat of paint on this. But one of the coats of paint is something I actually quite like. So the maze is a little easier to see, in a sense. Um I like the fact that it really did feel like I could tell the personalities of the ghosts more. I know in Pac-Man they're supposed to have personalities. One chases you and one doesn't chase you. And two other ones drink tea or something. I don't know. But in this one, they really felt like... I'm like, okay, red guy is is definitely trying to chase me. And the other one is definitely trying to get in front of me. Like one is clearly running behind you and one is clearly trying to anticipate where you're going to go. And then there's the one that will come up to you and always, well, almost always turn the opposite way if you're going to head off. And so there is actually a shy one. And then there's one that seems completely random. And so they actually felt like they had personalities that I could distinguish while I was playing the game. And I think that adds a lot of charm. And I know that they're supposed to have those personalities in Pac-Man too, but I never really feel it in Pac-Man. And here, it, it I think they've, I don't know, maybe just honed the way that are programmed or something, but here the, the personality is shone through more, I thought.
1: I agree. And I think that as you're, you're running from the ghost, because the patterns are, are more random, it, at least for me, it made a lot more sense to kind of get down to that, to the, the power up pill, uh, like like the original Pac Man, there are the four power pills in the in the corners, and um, I did better if I could hang out near them. Now I guess, and I didn't get this far in the game, but later on that doesn't really help you because they change almost immediately. You know, um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> and so, so at that point, the power up serves kind of as a just as either points or as you know, you get maybe a half a second to get away rather than try to pursue them. And as with the original Pac Man, if you get uh, when you eat the power pill, they turn sort of blue and run away for a few seconds and eating them. The first one gets you what? 200, 400, 800, and then 1600. If you get all four ghosts and, um, when they go back to the little center house and they turn back into the malicious chasing ghosts, it felt like when they would come out of there, like almost like they were angry, you know, cause they would make a beeline right for you. Uh, like, coming oh, out of there. you. <laughs> and then, you know, it like, if you avoided them, then they would kind of return to their normal pursuit pattern. But, it felt more aggressive the way they chased you. Angry um, bees. That's right. Angry ghost bees. <laughs> uh, there are intermissions in the game, just like there are in the original Pac-Man. But this uh, time it's a romantic comedy. It is. Yes. It shows the developing relationship between the original um, Pac-Man character and Ms. Pac-Man. Um, and then eventually they have a baby and that baby would, that that particular sequence would show up again in junior Pac-Man as the opening track screen. Now, the
0: gameplay, I mean, there's these differences we've talked about, but for the most part, it's, it's typical Pac-Man gameplay. I mean, you, you walk up to this and you know exactly what you're doing. There's the one joystick, no buttons. There's a maze. You're getting chased by ghosts. You're eating all the pellets. The power, the pellets give you points, which basically because they're scattered through the maze means you have to, I guess, essentially move across every part of the maze at least once to clear it off. And then you go on to the next level. But there are lots of other, I, I kept noting sort of differences between this game and the original Pac-Man. I mean, there's the obvious difference in that the character now has lipstick and eyeshadow and a red hairball and beauty mark and whatever, but it's basically still just big yellow mouth. Um, and the you pointed out something the first time we recorded, which I'm just remembering now. So I'm going to point it out. So this one now counts as my notice is that the Pac-Man dies differently. Like in Pac-Man, there's the the classic; it kind of folds up in on itself and winks out. And here, Ms. Pac-Man kind of spins around and and dies. So it's a kind of a little more violent, and and the death sound effect is different as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the music's different too. Um, and I actually like the mm-hmm. music for this one.
1: Yeah, the music was composed by Naoki Higashio. It's good. I don't know if he ever did anything else, but uh, this no, game. You can dine out a lot on just doing the Ms. Pac Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like, because this game is based on Pac Man, it's, it's, it suffers from the same. Uh, 256th level kill screen where oh, it's,
0: I know it's, it's such a pain.
1: <laughs> it just gets it's in the uh, way of my it's harsh my well, mellow man. Well the thing is because the because of their their there are bugs in this code as, as the ROMs exist in the machines, you can't even, you can't actually get to those. I crashes. know,
0: that's my reason too. It
1: crashes long before that at like 141. Yeah, that's something not something like that. Mike's making yeah. up. That also got in
0: my way. <laughs> that's right.
1: It got in Carrington's way all the time until <laughs> I just yanked the cord out of the machine because he was beating me so bad. Oh wait. There's a bug happen. that makes the cord just come out. <laughs> that's, that's right. Now, if you do want to experience the gameplay all the way through level 256 and, and you beyond. And cheat. And beyond. Well, uh, the name Don Hodges meaning anything to you, Karen? It me? means nothing to me, and you can't uh, prove otherwise. Well, we have talked about him before on the show. He's the man who went into the original Donkey Kong code and, and solved the kill screen oh, bug. Oh, yeah.
0: Actually, you know what? Yes, it does mean something to me. <laughs> That's
1: right. Well, he's done a bunch of those since then. He's fixed bugs in arcade ROM code since then, and this is one of the uh, one of the games that he's done that with. He's gone and fixed all the bugs that, that happened around level 141. Uh, and then the the kill screen at two fifty six, and he's got a nice write up at his his website on how he did that. It's very involved and detailed. If you if you want to, you can go and modify the ROMs um, to play with MAME, or I guess you could even then burn them to your own chips and stick them in your machine and play them that way. But he is uh, we'll doing have good a, work. We will have a link in the show notes.
0: Willie, really? that seems like a lot of work, <laughs> but okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> So overall, do you do you like
1: this game? Uh, I do. I okay. I'll, I'll, we'll start off by I'll start off by saying that obviously Ms. Pac-Man was extremely popular, and and the game and the character showed up in popular culture everywhere. Probably mm-hmm. you know at least as much as the original Pac-Man, and it was all about girly games, you know, I, I remember like you could walk into to Sears or, or um, J.C. JCPenney and, and in the boys section, they would have the Pac-Man t-shirts and stuff. And the Ms. Pac-Man was marketed directly at, at the girls. And in fact, this was, this was very deliberate. It wasn't, um, the, this marketing scheme wasn't accidental. Uh, Stan Jiroki, I think I pronounced it correctly, of, of Midway. He stated in an interview that um, this is the first, commercial video game to involve large numbers of women as players. And that it is our way of thanking all those lady arcaders who have played and enjoyed
0: Pac-Man. There is a phrase. Mm. (laughs) Arcaderettes.
1: With the discussion of, of the geek gatekeeping and and things that we've had uh, lately going on on the show and in, in the culture, geek culture in general, I was a lot more kind of aware that, that I was playing a game that that was sort of clumsily aimed at women um, this time around, and and it was it wasn't something I could really kind of complete completely put out of my head as I was playing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the thing. I mean, it's just, as soon as I stepped up to this game, I could not completely sort of separate my mind um, and just say, "Okay, I'm just playing a game." Like I can do that a lot. I can I can kind of get back in that 1980s mentality, like I'm a kid playing an arcade game usually. But I could not shake the sexism of this of the game like just surrounding it it's just and I think that's a good thing and I and I think you know you and I being straight white males are definitely in a position where we're gonna we're gonna talk about this like, so that also feels kind of weird but there it's just there's so. Ah there's it's it's hard to play this game and not be aware of the ridiculousness and the sexism and the double standards in this and it really removes me from the game when I'm playing it. It's yeah,
1: I don't know that it hit me quite as hard as it hit you cuz I'm a little bit less sensitive to those sort of things. I'm just <laughs> But being... I'm an
0: exceptionally macho guy. <laughs> I see. So yes, that's right. Very macho. Um
1: but yeah, I I think I got I, I agree with you and and at the same time as 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 you said, and this was worse at Kansas Fest where it was you and I in the same room, two white middle-aged doughy guys talking about <laughs> this game. And
0: Let's solve the world's problems right now. Right. Problems exactly. that mostly our type of people I, are I don't causing. Know that,
1: I don't know that that's something that, like, my opinion does it, I don't know that my opinion matters or should matter because this, the sexism and the power structure around that, if anything, I'm by proxy a part of that and and I'm not the target, so I don't know that. I don't know that I, you know, it, yeah, I can talk about it, but does it matter? Is it just you know yelling in the wind because I'm not one of the people who is, you know, you're 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 the cause
0: it. of the problem, basically. Well, I am.
1: that's why I brought you here today. This is sort I, of a I go to intervention cons and, right? and I just harass people. That's what I do.
0: <laughs> well, and see, that's the thing, and that kind of stuff is is in the air, and I do think, like overall. If we take a broader picture, we've tried not talking about it for 30 or 35 years and and that that clearly is not making the problem better. So I think maybe everybody talking about it, including those of us in like the positions of privilege – just to at least point out, this isn't okay. <laughs> this kind of well, stuff that's, is just, yeah,
1: absolutely. And i and I'm I think
0: that. I'm much more aware of it now in a way that yes, I was younger. Like so you look back and and when I played this game the first time when it first came out in nineteen eighty what is this, nineteen eighty two, which is kind of funny because we're playing on that 30-year anniversary cabinet and they call it class of nineteen eighty-one. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but it's nineteen eighty-two? <1982. laughs> nice try, Navco, wrong year. Uh so that's the thing about that cabinet. But anyway, it's I mean, I'm, I start off by being aware of that. What was that thing online? The, the feminist frequency thing. She did that tropes against women series, which maybe, I think is actually ongoing. And I really like it. It's a great series. We, we talked about it and linked to it before. I'll link to it again. And she got this great video, um, discussing, I think she calls it the Ms. Man character idea. And there was also, I remember Nostalgia Chick talked about the, the Smurfette principle and they're kind of all related to each other. But the, I guess the basic theory, the basic thesis here is that, well, since we, we live in a strongly male identified society, then male characters in video games are the, I, I think, the, like the unmarked, so it's it's the default, and if there's not a signifier for gender, then it's just that means male. And if a female character gets marked with some sort of gender signifier, which is why it becomes like news if a character that had a helmet on like suddenly becomes oh that's a female who knew because we're all assumed huh. male. And even more than that, I think you get the idea that the the female gender signifier. I think the the major issue is that that's the only character like quote unquote character that characters given like the, the males can be the strong one the dumb one the fast one the angry one and the girls are the girl one I mean that's what they get and so I know that there was a ton of I guess a ton of pushback online about the Ms. Meg May- male character thing and the feminist frequency videos but I honestly I don't understand why like I can't even get my head around why people are pushing back against this I mean it seems pretty straightforward and pretty obviously evident to me and I can see people arguing over like how should we fix it, and who should even get a voice in the debate? Like, should somebody like me get to have a say in this debate, even if what I'm saying is that there is a problem? Maybe I don't get it. I don't know. And I, I, I can see people arguing about like what causes it and and what causes it still to, to still be a problem. But I don't. I can't get my head around the idea that people think there isn't a problem here because there so clearly is a problem. I saw I saw a cartoon once or or just a comic that was. All it was is it showed a Pac-Man, a regular Pac-Man, and then another Pac-Man with like a beard and a top hat. <laughs> and then and it and it was just labeled Pac-Woman and Mr. Pac-Woman. And if that seems weird to you, if you hear that and you think, well, that's why would you call it Mr. Pac Woman? You should have the same problem with Ms. Pac-Man. Like the idea that this wasn't Pac Woman is the heart of the problem here. There was a thing in Futurama in where they did I think it was Ms. Marble Madness. <laughs> so, like those sorts of things should seem weird and wrong, I think.
1: Well, it, it, to take this to a larger or, or more general uh, example, it's, you know, if, if a woman takes a, a man's name when she gets married, that's just normal. That's just how it is. Nobody thinks a thing about it. I what do. do you think when a, if a guy takes a woman's name when they get married? Everybody, you know, the, your thought is immediately, wow, that's kind of weird. I think it's weird either way,
0: and I think it's only normal because we're in a society that says it's normal. But even like that's something that I thought was bizarre, even from a kid. I'd never be able to go like, "So there's a chattel thing going, like a property thing going on here? What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> Just that one kind of I was always felt, but I think it, oh. I think I think your point is well well made though that there's stuff that seems normal, and boy, there, there's a word with some some baggage <laughs> with it, right? So only us That's white males get to call things right normal. That's good. But yeah, but I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's just that, that it only seems not strange to us because we grow up in a society that tells us, hey, here's how it is. But the reality is that is a very strange thing, and there's a lot of strange stuff that goes on video games, which I don't think seemed as weird, you know, 35 years ago. But when we look back on it, maybe it's good that it's something that seems wrong and weird now. So at least that's maybe a signifier that things have gotten at least a little better
1: because it does
0: seem weird to me now.
1: Well, I think, I think just talking about it automatically means that we're hopefully making some progress and, and, you know, I've, the, the goal here is not just to talk about it, but to then do something about that. But, you know, maybe baby steps, I guess I, I read a, an article, actually uh, an interview with, um, um, one of our Kansas Fest attendees, Quinn Dunkey, she was there and they, she talks about kind of gender and geekdom and things. And, she, and her point, her the interesting thing that she brings up is that it's only gender only really becomes an issue when we bring up gender, when we're talking about a person and, and doing. you know, it only becomes a problem when she's not just a nerd that's doing something really cool, but she's a mm-hmm. girl nerd who's doing something cool. Right.
0: Because nobody ever talks about me as a boy podcaster.
1: Like that has well, never
0: once been but, – but it's all serious. Like never once yeah, you know. would everybody say Mike McGinnis, male podcaster or boy podcaster or boy video game player or video game playing boys or boy arcaders. Like we are never – our gender never become – is never a thing that's used. And I think that's the whole Ms. Pac-Man gets labeled as Ms. And, and I don't think it's even the Ms. The problem – is the the bow and the lipstick and stuff that says you know this is a yellow mouth, but we'll put a put a bow on it.
1: And I think when you use those kind of uh, identifiers, that automatically sets a separation between Group A and Group B. Mm-hmm. You know, that's automatically putting you over here and, and me over there. And as yeah, I want as, you over there, Mike? <laughs> as, as Your geeks, sexism <laughs> uh, as geeks and and nerds and and people who enjoy this culture and in this case arcade culture, I. For me, I think it's it's better. The more people that get involved and enjoy this and and love mm-hmm. it, the better time everyone has because we can bring in those those the differing opinions and and the new thoughts and ideas. And and when you separate and and push somebody out like that, it just I don't think it does anybody any good.
0: Yeah, I think it's right back to that gate, gate gatekeeping thing. I think you're totally right. And also, it's a, I think it's an echo chamber. Like it's a problem that makes its own problem worse and worse because, like. You, you don't have an equal number of guys and girls in the sciences, in uh, electronics, in engineering, in video game manufacture and video game writing and stuff. And so you get us nerds and let's face it, like you look at Kansas Fest and, and I think it was Quinn or somebody asked, I think it was. Maybe when she was on Open Apple with you, she said, like, okay, I'm thinking of going to Kansas mm-hmm. Fest. Is it an inclusive place? Like, will a girl feel out of place? And you would say, well, let's face it, it's mostly middle class white males. I mean, like, that's mostly who it is. And that welcome to the industry as well. And the right. problem is you get a bunch of nerds who themselves aren't – let's face it, we're not great with the social skills sometimes. We're a group that is often – the the thing that marks us out as different is we are – non ironically enthusiastic about stuff and also not always great about social things and so you have those people and then they're they're self segregated and so it's hard to maybe integrate into that and and they're already i don't know there's so many issues come up i think to, to yeah. make this continue being a bad thing
1: we we could we could uh, do a whole podcast just on that and in fact my former open apple podcast Co-host Ken Gagney has done just that. He said he started a new podcast called Polygamer about gender issues in in gaming, and you should definitely check it out.
0: It's fantastic. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes, and it's great. And see that, and that's another thing where you've got a straight white male talking about issues of inclusion. But maybe it's important that you know us bland dudes, it's like, as you put the <laughs> doughy ones, have also join our voices in this it, it, like those who are not marginalized also have to talk about marginalization not being good so every so the voices are coming from everywhere and that makes it i think harder to ignore it it's not just voices coming from one group it's everybody saying it except those who
1: are idiots i agree and and, and i don't think that i think it the time has come to you can't really use that, oh, I'm an awkward geek and I'm socially awkward and this and that. You, the time for using that as an excuse is kind of over. I mean, yes. You just can't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, so stop it, Mike. Oh, <laughs> all right. So the I found the article you were talking about, that Stan Jarocki of Midway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had talked about how, hey, it's going to be these these lady arcaders are, are, are coming to the forefront. And that quote comes from um, the May 1982 – electronic games magazines so you've got midway i think had put out like ms pac-man had come out by then but this would have been something he would have done earlier because like the may issue comes out early and so like who knows because he's talking about ms pac-man as if it's in the future even though it's an article from from supposedly may 1982 anyway The article is written by somebody named Joyce Worley, presumably a female, and it's entitled Move Over, Guys, Here Come the Gals, Women Join the Arcade Revolution. You think this might be something not offensive,
1: (laughs) but it turns out it
0: is. (laughs) So it's an article written by a woman. It's about women enjoying and being included in arcade culture. This all sounds good. At least this is in theory good, Mm. but it's in typical mass market press style it's basically a steaming heap of misogyny <laughs> at least if you view it through modern eyes like having just mm-hmm. read this like the the theme is essentially as it puts here this, this is her, her theme statement. Get this. Women have officially arrived in the world of electronic gaming. They're not just there for decoration either. <laughs> I mean, it's basically the video game equivalent of those, you've come a long way, baby ads. <laughs> it is so, and there's a big full page photo accompanying the article and it's of this pretty girl playing a game of centipede in a shirt that's been pushed up over her butt so <laughs> that she's sticking out and pulled down to expose her shoulder. And she's got this open mouth look of, oh my gosh, surprise on it. I mean, it's the kind of thing, it's hard to look at this and not think it's a parody. Like, And this is just straight ahead normal writing from the time. So in that sense, I think we have all come a long way, baby, because I don't think you could really write this this way now and you couldn't use this photo this way in a non-ironic Anyway, so in the article, this is quote, like you were talking about from Stand Rocky from Midway. No discussion of women as electronic gamers would be complete without a deep bow in the direction of Midway's incomparable Pac-Man. The game's record-shattering success derives from its overwhelming popularity among female gamers. Oh, it does well among men too, but it was heavy play by women that enabled Pac-Man to set earnings records in 1981. And then he- here's the quote. Pac-Man was the first commercial video game involving large number of women as players, says Draki. It expanded our customer base and made Pac-Man a hit. Now we're producing this new game, Ms. Pac-Man, as our way of thanking all those lady arcaders who have enjoyed and played Pac-Man. You can be certain that those lady arcaders, and there are more of them every day, will be anxiously waiting. So all of that is Bizarro Land stuff. But in the same issue, like right after this article, just right on the page, the article ends like that, talking about the lady gamers and how we're going to make a game just for you ladies that you can play with your your frilly nails and your butt stuck out or whatever this photo is showing us. But in the same issue, there's this sidebar that discusses the result of a favorite game poll that the magazine had conducted a few issues earlier. And it says the list of favorite coin-op games and favorite programmable video games for the female reader. And the coin-op list is Pac-Man, Carnival, Centipede, Space Invaders, and Berserk. And then it summarizes. It says... Pac-Man, as anticipated, placed first among the, coin- among the coin-ops, but two other titles that finished in the top five, Berserk and Space Invaders, are exactly the kind of wild shoot-em-ups that women aren't supposed to like. The mm-hmm. same can be said to an even greater extent of the list of most popular home games. Clearly, the idea that ladies arc- lady arcaders will only play a select few games is so much hot air. And that's the thing, like, how can they have their own poll, come to this conclusion, print that in small type in, in the sidebar, but then have this huge multi-page article all about, hey, ladies, you finally get a game that's, you know, for you. So ridiculous.
1: Very strange. Anyway,
0: that's what this straight white male has to say. (laughs) Clearly, I'm going to solve this problem right now. You and me, Mike, let's solve all the problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's why we do this podcast, not to enjoy games, but to solve problems.
0: I think I I think it is a good thing, though. I mean, I think it's indicative of at least something positive that I had all this in my mind when I was playing it. Like when I sat down, it's hard for me to see Ms. Pac-Man and her little bow and her lipstick and her beauty mark and not think, well, that's ridiculous. And and it's hard for me to play even just something as essentially innocuous as Mixed Pac-Man and not be aware of these issues. So that's at least something, I think, that's different than 35 years ago.
1: So you're swearing off Mixed Pac-Man then?
0: Well, I kind of don't like it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I like it. It's okay, but it's not my favorite game. But at least I'm I'm more aware of the issue. So in general, I think I, maybe that's good. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we have played Maze games before, and, and this is definitely – it may be up there on the list of maze games, but, you know... Is there a I,
0: Mr. Ladybug? <laughs>
1: I don't think there is, but... It <laughs> totally should be. Uh, I, Well, I, I think the lady in that case refers to the insect called the ladybug, so oh. maybe that's maybe you don't have to feel quite as guilty about that. I did enjoy Ladybug more than, than Ms. Pac-Man because, you know, because of the popularity of Pac-Man and then the follow-ons like this, every company out there decided to do their own kind of maze chase clone and... and uh, we, pl- we talked about Ladybug and, and how why it worked because instead of just running around the same you know, differently designed maze in different colors, the walls would shift and you could collect um, extra bonuses to spell out words for points and things. And, and it just felt like a different game while still being a maze chase game. And this, this definitely still does feel like Pac-Man.
0: Now, there were lots of like – for Pac-Man, there were tons of bootlegs of Pac-Man. And I think the same was the case for Ms. Pac-Man. There were oh, lots sure. of, like, yeah. rip-offs of this. I know that there was, like, Pac-Gal that just basically changed the color of the mazes and stuff. But there was – it's kind of funny how some bootlegs built upon other bootlegs. Like, there's Ms. Pac-Man Plus, which actually came out like, a year earlier than, like, the Pac-Man Plus game. So it's not based on that. It's just a, basically a sequel to – or bootleg based on Ms. Pac-Man. And, and it introduces new mazes. But the fruits – Follow the paths of the original mazes, so the fruits will go through walls. You can't always get them. So just welcome, welcome to the world of bootleg hacks. And the ghosts slow down when they go through the original maze tunnels, not the actual maze tunnels. So there's weird sort of areas where they just get slow. But anyway, so there's Ms. Pac-Man Plus. Nobody did any
1: game testing (laughs)
0: exactly. And then there was a hack of Ms. Pac-Man Plus called Ms pack attack so that's another bootleg but it's based on ms pac-man plus and it's the same sort of game except the mazes are now in a different order and it's got still that same fruit following this wrong maze issue but then there's ms pac-man champion edition which is a hack of ms pack attack so we're going like two hacks deep now (laughs) and like this one (laughs) the fruit art was taken from the junior pac-man game and ms pac-man moves quicker but you get a one minute timer so that's kind of cool so well, like you have one minute to complete the maze or you lose a person so uh
1: well in addition to all those all those bootlegs the actual ms pac-man was ported to pretty much every home computer including apple II uh and console not only of the day but in everything since then i mean it, it, it even got a port to the Philips cdi and nothing got ported to that Oh gosh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's, and there are various versions of browser flash games out there that you can play. I mean, this is certainly everywhere, and they—I don't think too many of them wandered that far from the original formula. They probably learned from the original Pac-Man ports. Which, you know, you just want to kind of stick to the as close to the original as possible with this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a a those of you who who were around in the early '80s. And watch Saturday morning cartoons like I did probably remember the original Pac Man cartoon. Well, she shows up in that too. She's uh she's been named Pepper. She's uh um the wife of, of Pac-Man, and they have a couple of animals. I think the dog was called Chomp Chomp, and I forget what the cat was called. <laughs> but um um and, and she is just as as housewifey and fifties sexism in that cartoon as, as she is in everything else. Pac-Man That's me! Pac-Man
0: Oh! I must have those power pellets! Oh, I me the power pellet bonus! Did you have any favorite versions like of the ports? I'm trying to think back to the ones that I liked.
1: Well, I had the Coleco tabletop one. <laughs> Which um... you still have, because we sampled it. <laughs> That's right, right. I still have it.
0: Oh, and I've got that one. You know, there's those standalone, I think they're by Jack Specific, the standalone TV plug-in versions right. that come with mm-hmm. a few games. So I've got that one that comes with this and um Galaga, Xevious, Mappy, yeah. Mappy, mm-hmm. Pole Position. That's a good one, actually.
1: I, I think the I think the tabletop was my favorite just because I had it and I could play it whenever I wanted. So it got a lot of play. And the thing about that one is it's obviously it's very simplistic and the maze is a lot smaller and it had a, a, a very, uh, it had a pattern that you could play and you could just, you could play the game until the battery ran out because the pattern would work on every single, um, on every single map.
0: And there's no kill screen.
1: And there wasn't, no, <laughs> there's no kill screen. The kill on screen is the battery. <laughs> That's right. I remember
0: there were two versions for the NES. Like there's the, the actual Namco version. Which, if I recall, was crazy hard. Um, partly because the maps are reduced in size, because you go—I really, think the resolution is restricting it—and um, I think had new mazes, including like a wide open one or something. But it's the Tengen version that looked a lot better. But I—I I was like the Atari seven thousand eight hundred version. I think that was actually developed by GCC, like the people that did the original Crazy Auto thing or the same people did the Atari seventy eight hundred version? I could totally be wrong. No doubt you'll get hate mail about it if I. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> okay. I will. Um, so I think that was my favorite one. That was a that was a really good looking one.
1: There was even a version created for the Puffer exercise bike controller for the Atari 5200. Oh, my the, goodness. Part of the Puffer project.
0: So you're right. Like, it basically was on everything. It's hard right. to think of a system that didn't have a version of both Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. Those are the, the two PAX games that just went on everything. It really – I mean, that's that's the thing. We talked about this in our – I think we did Pac-Man in our first first or second episode, like yeah, way back way, a billion way years back. ago. And I think what we mentioned then is just as true of Ms. Pac-Man, that it was – a cultural phenomenon like you couldn't go anywhere without there being Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man on everything on serials, on on home games on like like just everything imaginable sheets. pillowcases sheets every, everything yeah crazy crazy the impact that that had um far more so it's hard it's hard to even find a, like a current equivalent Halo at its biggest ever was not nearly as big as Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man like culturally
1: well it's interesting because uh, this is a derivative of a previous game and it, it became just as big a cultural phenomenon as the as the prior thing and that doesn't always happen.
0: Yeah, it just extended um, it. I think because the marketing people also thought, oh, ho, now we get to go for women. They're like, now we'll have, right. like you were saying, boys' clothes and girls' clothes. and like, Suddenly Pac-Man becomes a guy thing, which I think beforehand, everyone's saying, all the women played Pac-Man! All the women played they loved Pac-Man! So that let's make a version of Pac-Man for women. I'm like, wasn't Pac-Man the what version of Pac-Man for women? Why do you have to have miss Pac-Man? Why aren't you making a version of Pac-Man for guys? <laughs> <sighs> Pac-Man cereal's got a new surprise. When you look inside, it's shocking. <laughs> shocking pink. It's new Miss Pac-Man marshmallow. She's got a shocking pink bow, oh. Just one taste, you'll be tickled pink with crispy corn puffs all gone in a blink. Uh-huh, gone in a blink. Miss Pac-Man marshmallow. She's got a shocking pink bow, oh. Miss Pac-Man's inside. Pac-Man cereal, part of this nutritious breakfast, yeah. Pac-Man's more fun shocking pink, yeah. The cabinet... We played on, at, uh, Kansas Fest, like that Namco 20 year review, reunion one, which is now out of date because 20 years. Uh, the, cl- the class of 1981, the incorrectly named class of 1981 <laughs> that is Gallagher and his Pac-Man. Um, Michael Jackson used to own that, not that particular cabinet. He had like a, a – I think it was serial number 250 or 249 or something. So, uh, it sort of ties in. We recently did a Michael Jackson game. Oh. Here. I'm bringing it all together by professional. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those professional male podcasters. <laughs>
1: It's a lot less smooth when you, you when you point out that you're no, that's in, part of my smoothness. Calling your shot after you've taken the shot. <laughs> it's
0: a, just don't point out my smoothness. <laughs> I said <see. laughs> it
1: stays super smooth. Uh, this uh, the original um, the original game featured a Zilog Z eighty at three point zero seven two megahertz. It had a Namco WSG three channel mono chip at 3, 7, 3.072 megahertz for the sound. Featured a vertically oriented two twenty four by two eighty eight resolution uh, CRT with a. 16 color palette, basically the same thing as the original Pac-Man because it was a ripoff of that. Oh, of course, yeah. Tell me about the cabinet. Uh, it's classic. I mean, well,
0: there, there was the standard upright cabinet, the full-size one, and also a cocktail on the cabaret. And it's the standard upright that is the classic. It's that, it's that classic Pac-Man style shape with the um, – that means the bezel and the monitor are leaned way back inside the machine. So it's almost – Like at horizontal, it's barely above the horizontal. And that also means that the bezel and the bezel art blends right into the control panel. So it's really seamless. And it's, it's, it's an iconic cabinet with the, the bright colors. It's got, it's a really colorful cab with, you know, yellow and unsurprisingly pink, uh, logo and graphics. It's got a really cartoony marquee that, you know, draws your eye. The front art goes right down to the kick panel area. It's got full bezel art full huge side arts which is i mean it's 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 a lovely cabinet it's a, it's a, one of the iconic beautiful looking cabinets i totally really like it um, the cabaret and the cocktail were less exciting, which is often the case. The cabaret cab, the smaller one, was the, one of those mini mite styles. So it's got s- scaled down graphics, no side art at all, no front art at all. Um, the cocktail cabinet, it also has n- almost no graphics, like, like most cocktails don't. Uh, it's just got the logo underneath the top glass and a, and a really small instruction panel on the, on the, the control panels. And that, and that's it. Uh The neat thing is, however, at pacman.com, well, pac-man.com, you can order parts for all three styles of cabinets. So if you've got one of these that has a problem or you're... you're you know, refurbishing one or what have you, then it's a night. Nice, it's got a nice ordering thing where you click on the picture of the cabinet style that you have, and it blows it up, and then it shows you all the parts with little arrows. And you say, "I need this bracket," or "I need that button." It says, "No, it's this. It's two ninety five, and here's its part number, and you can order it." So, um, I'll link to that in the show notes because that was a pretty cool way to to order bits and pieces. Um, we talked about the the Namco twenty year cabinet that we played on this week and that you kicked my butt on. Mm. In that. And I think we talked about this back when we did the Galaga game, because we talked about that particular cabinet. You can enable the turbo version for Ms. Pac-Man or the fast shooting version for Galaga. And it even has a full hidden Pac-Man game in it that you can enable with some keyboard commands. I know it's like when you're at the the screen where you choose, do you want Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man or or Galaga, you go like left, right, left, right, up, 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 shoot, it'll beep. And then you've now enabled the fast version. So um, people got to play that at Kansas Fest 2. And there is a miniature cabinet. I guess the last thing to bring up, uh, at the Bring a Hack dinner after the 2014 Maker Fair, Maker a fellow uh made a little tiny miniature playable Ms. Pac-Man cabinet based on a BeagleBone Black. And like the the briefcase thing that we talked about at the beginning of the episode he also includes a complete parts list in case you want to build your own so if you would like to make a tiny little miniature cabinet that plays the game then i'll have a link in the show notes so you can you can build that
1: so is this something is this a, this is a cabinet i assume that you don't necessarily feel you need to own it, even though it is iconic and beautiful or no
0: is... i only like macho mr <laughs> macho pack pack Mach.
1: yeah yeah see so the thing the thing about the cabinet's great but like the original pac-man there's you're not really losing anything with emulation other than maybe that gorgeous kind of soft glow that you get with the original crts as opposed to playing it on an lcd Mm -hmm. but it's it's a joystick there aren't even any buttons for this other than i think you know like the starters and well that also is part
0: of the part of the thing that made it iconic you get those early games and well later on and we've talked about this a lot how they really tried to start to do things with the controls to make it something you'd have to go into the arcade and play rather than homes to get the weird controllers but one of the nice things about the earliest games was you could step up to them and the controls were simple and intuitive and you could just play and this is an example of something like that where it's just a four-way joystick and that's it um you can't get any easier than that well i guess you could have a two-way joystick no yeah, no the, buttons at all
1: <laughs> the gameplay is intuitive you can look at it and and know exactly what you need to do in order to to play and enjoy the game and i think this is probably one of the last games where you know each each little pellet that you eat is only 10 points and and the power points you know the even the bonuses i think you later on you can get up to 5000 or something like that but this isn't a game where where each thing is getting you tens and thousands tens of thousands of points, and you know your the scores totally are not, not gonna me. be <laughs> your scores are not gonna be up in the millions for people like you and me <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And that's Um, the
0: excuse we have for why our scores are so crappy.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about that. Well, you win. And so I don't know if we
0: need to actually focus on actual numbers. (laughs) Well, I played this week. And like I say, maybe that's all. Maybe I don't actually have a problem with sexism. Maybe it's just that I suck at the game. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because I
0: kind of do. I'm not great at these maze games. And so I played this week. I didn't get – I mean it's Kansas Fest. So I didn't get that much time to play because while the machine was there – I was busy doing Kansas Fest stuff and that keeps you busy every waking moment and it's super fun. But in the I got to play I think two times, maybe three times, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Best game I did was 28,700. Yeah, you heard it right. Just 28,700. Yes. <laughs> Embarrassingly low. That's how I did. How about you, Mike? How'd you well, do
1: this week? I we we'd mentioned the fast hack and I actually that's the the method of play that I prefer, uh, largely because um It's more challenging and it just feels – obviously, it feels faster because it is faster. (laughs) But part of the – when you do that, the the ghosts on the first couple of levels move at their normal speed and it's very slow. And so the – it it seems easy, but you lose that advantage pretty quickly. And then you're looking at a situation where they're coming at you full speed and because you're moving so quickly, it's easy to miss – a turn, and get caught in a corner. Ah, right. Um, but I did not use that for my high score, sure. unfortunately for you. And so I I got 40,320 points. I'm sorry, 48,320 points.
0: That's a lot of points. <laughs> That's not a lot of points. We both kind of suck at this game.
1: So, overall, though, I, in the grand scheme of things, I certainly didn't uh, do all that well. I think that got me to, I don't know, through five or six boards. I have a question about
0: the turbo mode. I know we can enable it on the the machine were on, but I've seen it in arcades as well, yeah. where they got the turbo thing. So how do you? Is that was that like a different game or like how does one? I,
1: I I thought it was just a dip switch setting. Oh, okay. Um, but I look if you look through your your main roms there are actually roms for the fast play. Now I don't know if that just means that that's a rom that's been set up with those dip switches already or not.
0: But, well, someone uh, will write in and tell us.
1: Yeah. Well, every every arcade, especially around here, like the One Up, you know, you go in all the games both Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man are set to to fast play. And those seem to be very popular modes of play.
0: Is there a slow play version for people that can only get (laughs) 28,700
1: points? Like maybe fewer
0: ghosts? Is there a dip switch for just like the one ghost?
1: I don't think there is. (laughs) I just
0: keep running around him in circles. Um, Take this, Blinky.
1: (laughs) The the world high score record was set by Abner Ashman of Queens, New York in uh, 2005. Uh, He scored... uh, 921,360 points beating the previous mark of 920,310 points. Now, the reason that that the score is so much lower than Pac-Man is as we've discussed, you die. Bugs in the game make sure that you die long before you can get to the final board and get that 3 million or whatever that you can get in, in so and it's about Pac-Man. eating out
0: sort of like trying to get a perfect game hitting all the possible points on your way to that bug.
1: Right, exactly. Right. Yep. So I'll and- make sure I do
0: that next time.
1: Oh, okay, good.
0: That was see. That's what I was missing. If you told me that last week, I would have a totally different score. <laughs> totally
1: different. I don't think I believe you. <laughs> uh, before we move move on here, I, I should I, I do want to point out a, a link that, that I was going to mention earlier. GCC had a two thousand four uh, reunion. Uh, where the alumni of the company got back together and talked about their company history. And and there's some talk about the development of Ms. Pac-Man in there. Uh, That reunion audio is available uh, over at Apple fritter of all places. And we will have that. uh, We'll have a link in the show notes that you can listen along. Very cool. Very cool. And speaking of audio from games. Ooh, do we have some audio for next week's
0: game? I think we do Carrington. What's it sound like you boy podcaster. It sounds like this.
1: that brings us to the end of our, our gender issues in 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 uh, arcade <laughs> gaming. And, and, oh, we talked about Miss Pac-Man too. Right. A little bit. <laughs> and that's the, and we are changing our name from no quarter to no girls, <laughs> <laughs> no girls allowed. <laughs> no goyles.
0: That's right. Okay. I will talk to you next week.
1: Uh, sounds good. Bye. Bye everybody.
0: you've been listening to no quarter the classic arcade podcast feedback can be sent by email to no at monsterfeet.com or you can find us on facebook as no quarter podcast and on twitter we are at no quarter show you can also find us on both the throwback network and the real retro junkies network all of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monsterfeet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. What's it sound like, you boy podcaster? It sounds like this. Boy sounds! Those are not boy sounds. (laughs)